Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 297 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Melissa Janish. Melissa lives in Monument, Colorado, where she is a paraprofessional in an elementary school special education program. Welcome, Melissa. Did I say your last name right? You did, yep. Oh, good. Because right when I was reading it, I was like, wait, she said it. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. It's (laughs) funny because it's phonetic, but people mispronounce it all the time. Well, I know. I've got a weird last name, Stevens. We people want to say Stephens all the time because that would be more phonetic. So. Right, right. <laughs> I understand how that goes. Well, I love to talk to an education professional. And I want to say thank you for the work you're doing in special education because that is some of the most challenging and most rewarding work in a school system. 
it's pretty hard. Yeah, it's very challenging and rewarding too. We get to right. see kids make a lot of personal growth. So it, it really, really is. It is very rewarding, but it does have some challenges because those are our most fragile learners and they, a lot of them have emotional situations and they'll just break your heart, but also you will fall in love with those kids. Absolutely. Yep. That's so true. They are your kids. Do you get to follow them as they get older from grade to grade? Yeah. You kind of watch them go. And then when they leave, they leave us at sixth grade and go on to the middle school. And so Mm -hmm. that's exciting and difficult at the same time because you kind of want to go with them to seventh grade. <laughs> it, it's <laughs> true. With, do that. <laughs> with my gifted teaching experience, I got to work with some kids from first to fifth grade. And yeah. so by the time they left, they were very much my kids. So <laughs> right, right. <laughs> anyway, this is not a teaching podcast, but <laughs> I want to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? Okay. Well, it's a pretty like significant moment. I was on vacation with my girlfriend. We were in Arizona and we were in the pool, just all standing around talking. And I was at one of my higher weights. I don't think I've ever, that I know of, gotten past 200, but that's usually where I tend to top out. And usually around 196, I stop weighing myself. I get that. I don't, don't want to know anymore. So I was pretty high up there and I was very frustrated. I mean, I've done, I'm like you and a lot of the listeners, I've done all the diets and I was just kind of over it. And so we were standing around kind of talking about, I don't want to count calories anymore. I don't want to restrict any more food. And my friend Carla was like, oh my gosh, I was just hanging out with this friend and she, I told her she looked amazing And I asked her what she'd been doing, and she told me intermittent fasting. So she went on to tell us how her friend is a big margarita fan. (laughs) It's like she has to have a margarita every single day at 5 o'clock or whatever. That's hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) So she was like – and she drinks her margarita every single day. And she's like, she's lost like 50 pounds, and she looks amazing. And I was like, so – what is the diet then? And she's like, she just doesn't eat for part of the day. And then she eats. And I remember something clicking in my brain. And I was like, I can do that. I cannot eat because I have four kids. Mm -hmm. So I don't eat for like, that's pretty normal for me to forget to eat lunch or something, you know? And so I was like, I can do that. I cannot eat for part of the day. That's so really can... funny. I'm sorry to interrupt you. It's just so yeah. funny. It made me think of a book that I got one time. Um, it was from a, an author. I don't know whatever happened with this book. But sometimes people will send things to podcast hosts because they want the person to be on your show. Sure. <laughs> and so I got a book. It was called The Mojito Diet. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the premise of it, but it's just so funny because your friend Carla could write a diet book called The Margarita Diet. Right, right. And people would be like, sign me up. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Everybody wants to be on The Margarita Diet. Absolutely. Right? Although I cannot be on The Margarita Diet. We have this place up the street called Chimichanga Llama that opened last year, and I love it. If you're ever in Surfside Beach, go eat there. The food is wonderful. And, but their margaritas are very strong. Oh, boy. <laughs> and since it's, it's been springy here, yeah. I had like two and I was like, all right, that is way too many margaritas. <laughs> so Jen will not be opening with margaritas like like Carla. But right, um, right. 
you know, so you felt like you're like, I can do this. I can eat for, I can wait and I can eat later and I can do it. Yeah. And so I went back to my hotel room and of course I'm all about like, because I have that diet brain ingrained in me. I was like, what do I need to buy to do this? And so I went on my phone and I found some app. I don't know what it even was that like, you know, they ask you all these questions and then they design a window for you. And then they kind of tell you like what to eat in that window. I mean, I didn't know anything. I had no information. So I started on vacation the next day fasting because I was like, I can, this is perfect. I can do this. I love that. So (laughs) it lasted because I didn't have all the information. I don't remember how long I did it for probably like maybe two or three months. And when was that? You didn't say the year. That was 2019. Okay. That was summer of 2019. So I think it was probably like late June, early July. And I kind of stopped doing it. Well, you know, right around the corner from that, of course, was the big C. And so during that, and I got COVID right like off the get-go. We flew to Las Vegas and Washington state within a week of each other, which were two of the like major hot spots for it. In those early and, days. Yeah. Yes. And so my husband and I both got it. I got it horribly and I was in bed for like a month. Ooh. I couldn't shake the fever. I couldn't shake the exhaustion. And so a diet of any kind wasn't even on my brain really. And then I think it was the following summer of 2020 I came back to it again, just on my own. I decided I wanted to do it again. And I remember I decided to start walking. And I, while I was walking, I was like, well, I need a podcast if I'm going to walk. I need something to listen to. So, of course, I Googled intermittent fasting. And the intermittent fasting podcast with you and Melanie at the time came on, came, you know, the first thing. And so I just started at episode one, started listening. <laughs> I think I was like probably a week in where you guys really started hitting on clean fasting. And I had been adding water flavoring to my water and drinking like gallons of it. I mean, it was, I had a legitimate addiction to the water flavoring. I think that's, that is something right now that is such a big problem in our society and we don't even know it. And I don't know at your elementary school or the kids allowed to have like water bottles at their desk or with them all the time. Yes. And at my school, they were allowed to have those. The rule was it needed to be plain water, but no one enforced it. So a lot of the kids were using water enhancers all the time. Are your kids, or do they have to have plain water? Or it has you know? to be plain, and every now and then, you know, you'll catch they'll spill some of it on their desk, and you're like, "Oh, why is your water red?" Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I mean, we are raising up a generation of people who think that that they don't like plain water, and that yeah. is really, really sad. Like one of the proudest days in my life is when I realized both my boys were drinking plain water, like at a restaurant. That's what they ordered. I'm like, Hallelujah! You know? Right, right. Yeah, it really is. That flavoring is really has like an addictive element to it. Because I would feel panicky if I didn't have it in the house. Yeah, that was me with stevia. Really? I had the vanilla cream stevia that I was so addicted to. It didn't even, I didn't even need it to add sweetness. This is what was so weird. If I went to Starbucks, of course, way back in the day, if I went to Starbucks and got a pumpkin spice latte, for example, that is not lacking in sweetness. Right. Right. 
I would still add my vanilla cream stevia to it. There's just something about that flavor. I was, I think it did something in my brain. I don't really know, but it felt very addictive. I had a bottle in my purse, in my desk drawer, in my kitchen, in my classroom over there. I mean, I had, I was never without it. It's just, if there's something like that, that you never are without, it's a pretty good sign. It's doing something in your brain. Exactly. Exactly. So I, as soon as I heard that on the podcast, I stopped using it and that was hard for me. I kind of weaned myself off of it a little bit, but like I would still have it in my window. Um, And then eventually got to the point where I just didn't need it anymore. That and giving up coffee creamer have been my two biggest challenges. I still want my coffee creamer. Like, I don't think I have the taste buds for black coffee. Like it still tastes bitter to me. Yeah. I started doing my own cold brew at Christmas. My husband got me like a cold brew thing. And so I make my own cold brew and that works. Mm -hmm. But if I'm having like a special day where I'm going to open my window early, I'll totally have my coffee (laughs) creamer. I don't know. I still love it. So Well, it's a hug and a mug, right? It just feels, it's comforting and soothing. And it just reminds us that there are so many more reasons that we put things in our mouth than just nourishment. There's something about that creaminess that like, like when I did my whole experiment with whole food plant-based and didn't have any dairy, I felt great. I was fine, but I missed the creaminess that dairy adds to the foods in my eating window. Yeah. Uh, that might sound silly, but it, it made it, you know, it's something about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I am right there with you. I mean, I am a food lover mm-hmm. and anytime I restrict any food, it makes me want it more. So I think it's okay though. I can do it. Giving up creamer is not the hardest thing I've ever done. So anyway, so I kind of, I did fast pretty well through 2021. And then I ended up taking this job at the elementary school. I had been a stay at home mom for gosh, 15 years. And they really needed help at the elementary school. And I had wanted to do this job. I had wanted to work with kids. I do have a college degree in communications. I felt like that would serve me well. And so I literally went back to work full time with about three days notice. Wow. And so I had no plan. I mean, like I got back to work and I was like, wait, how am I going to get my other kids home from school? (laughs) Like I... (laughs) I had no plan. And And how old are your kids? How old are they? Right now, they're 18, 16. My uh, third child's about to turn 13 next week, and then nine. Okay. So you still have an elementary kid yourself. You've got them at every single school, which is quite a challenge. It's so challenging. Four (laughs) different schools and two different districts. So it's uh, very challenging. So, But I kept fasting, and the job was just so hard last year. Um, we had some really challenging students and I did pretty well fasting for probably the first three months. And then the stress of the job just got the better of me. And I kind of fell off. And by the end of the year, I had gained back all the weight that I had lost the first time around. And then some probably. So this this was in 2022? Yes. 
We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. So it just... You're touching on something that's very real, and we I don't know that we talk about it enough. You know, we did talk about it more during the pandemic, especially in the, you know, the intermittent fasting groups that we had that were so large on Facebook. And of course, everyone was going through crazy amounts of stress in a way that we had never faced before with the pandemic. And so people who had been weight stable for years with intermittent fasting, all of a sudden were gaining weight. They were stress eating. We were all doing a little bit of that. And and stress does a number on our bodies. And so, like we talked about before with the, the creamy coffee feeling soothing, the same thing with food. You know, it, there's that part of our brain that when we are facing this stress wants to be soothed. And food is such a powerful coping mechanism for, for so many of us. And it's, you know, understanding that, not feeling shame about it, but understanding that's just really how our brains tend to be wired. We look for, we've got the stress, we look for comfort, we look for soothing. So is that pretty much what happened during that very stressful time? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, one of my earliest memories is of falling off my bike and my mom giving me a popsicle to make me feel better. Like have that very early connection of like food is comfort. And I think I've used it my whole life to make me feel better. And so it's not surprising that that's what I, how I reacted. And of course, then you have the stress reaction in your body, you're releasing more cortisol and not probably getting any exercise other than the walking that I do at school. And so I did, I put it back on, but I knew as soon as I hit that last day of school that I was going to come back to fasting and I was going to stick with it. And so our last day of school was May, I want to say May 22nd. And then 
May 23rd, I got right back on it. Um, and I was so happy to be back on it. So happy to, it felt immediately, I felt better. Oh, good. And so, and I haven't, so that's been what, 10 months, mm-hmm. I guess, that I haven't really stepped away from it. And I've probably lost about 30 pounds in that 10 months. I think have a lot of inflammation in my body. And so I think a lot of the time the fasting is trying to clean up all that inflammation, you know, and then I've had some illness. I got, I just got over COVID like a week ago for oh, my no. fourth time. Oh. So yes, I am vaccinated and I still get COVID because I'm around <laughs> kids all day yeah, long. Yeah, kids are, kids are super spreaders of everything. Oh my goodness. And you're still early in your career with kids. Yeah. See, I, I remember at, at first I got more and then I built up my immunity over time. Okay. Because you, you start your your body's like you get used to being around the kids. And so then I did still pick up a lot of infections here and there. I'd always have an ear infection or something and I would need to go to the doctor for that. But after intermittent fasting, that all went away after yeah. I, I got that in better shape. But you're still in the early kids getting it to you stage. I am, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you can tell though that your body has a lot of inflammation that it's still working on. For sure. I mean, I am not a good, I'm not a healthy eater and intermittent fasting has changed that. I feel like I probably eat healthier now than I have in my entire life, but I was really, I love my mom so much. I was really raised on junk food. You know, it was the eighties. So (laughs) we were eating a lot of like Swanson TV dinners with like fried chicken and a brownie and mashed potatoes. Like that was my favorite one. (laughs) And I ate a lot of Twinkies and a lot of Hostess and Kool-Aid, soda. Oh, we always had Kool-Aid. We always had Kool-Aid because I loved Kool-Aid and all the the ones that we liked were the Mortons. Now, were you did you have a microwave at that time to microwave yes. your Swanson? See, I was I'm a little older than you, it seems, than was we were eating the ones that came in the metal trays that you had to cook in the oven. Right. And and it took like 45 minutes. <laughs> they were they were not that convenient when you look right. at that. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess it was convenient because all you had to do was put it in the oven and walk away. But it was yeah. still. Yeah. I think in the early '80s, I think probably they were the oven ones because I remember my mom. I would get home from school and my mom would put it in, and then she would have a meeting to go to, and like right around the time she would leave for her meeting, it would be ready. So I, think- I can still remember my favorite one and the way that it tasted. I mean, it was Morton's was the brand and it had hot dogs and beans. It was like beans and Franks. And it usually so came gross. with three Franks, but sometimes there might be four. And that was like a bonus <laughs> if there were four. And it had, what was it? Cornbread. It was like a sweet cornbread that was like a Jiffy cornbread and also yeah. baked apples. Oh, wow. It was so good. Like, I can literally taste every one yeah. of those ingredients right now. Morton's, Beans and Franks, TV dinner. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> but so I, I get it. Raised on junk food. It was convenient. It was easy. Yeah. And they just didn't know, I think, how bad it was for all of us. Right. You know, like they didn't know what it was doing to our bodies. And so, and I have had a hard time shaking that. I mean, all my friends make fun of me because they say I eat like a preschooler, you know, like, most of my friends, if they have us over for dinner, they're like, how about macaroni and cheese? <laughs> Great. So I do think I have a lot of inflammation that ha- that my body has had to clean up over the past 
four-ish years of fasting. So Yeah. And I'm telling you, I really think training my taste buds to like black coffee changed my palate. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about what you just said, and that was so me, you know, not eating certain things. I was such a picky eater. Yeah. And and now, like, Chad and I went out to eat last week to a place we hadn't been before. And, like, it was like a sea, old, old seafood restaurant in Merle's Inlet called the Hot Fish Club. If anybody can, is ever around here can get reservations, definitely go there. It was amazing. But I had, like, fried shrimp, which I don't usually get, but it just sounded good. But the best part of the meal was this salad, and it was mixed greens with a lot of arugula. I didn't like mm-hmm. arugula. But it also <laughs> had beets. It was like oh, lots yeah. and lots of beets, and it was like amazing. It was the best part of the meal. Like yeah. I should have just eaten the, a giant salad and not even had the fried shrimp. But like, would you eat beets? Oh yeah, and I you do, do like beets. Good. My palate has changed okay. quite a bit. I mean, like yesterday, I made myself a bowl of chickpea pasta, Yum. and I sautéed mushrooms and put goat cheese on it, and that was delicious. So, I mean, and I made actually made beet soup like a week ago from scratch. And so my palate has definitely changed to where I can eat some more, you know, grown up things. That's good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But it is a process because really, honestly, if you grow up on that processed food, it hits your taste buds in a different way. And you also like, I couldn't tolerate those flavors. Yeah. And now I can. So that it just continues to surprise me. I know I've talked about it a lot, but it continues to surprise me that I like the beet salad better than the fried shrimp. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. It was even better than the baked potato. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm glad to hear that you're that it has changed your palate a little bit. And it's changed my relationship with food quite a bit. I mean, I think I was, you know, such an emotional eater. My parents divorced when I was four. That was very ugly and hard. And I went through some hard stuff after that. And then I've suffered from pretty severe depression and anxiety in my entire life. And I know I've always used food as a comfort. And so, but then on the other side of that is that it also has had the power to make me feel terrible and guilty and feel a lot of shame, you know, like, why am I this person that has to eat to feel better about my my situation. And the, the the interesting thing about using food for comfort is that it actually doesn't make it better. Right. It's only a very short term feeling better. And then you actually feel worse. Absolutely. See that that's the whole cycle that it's hard to get out of because you're like, well, I feel so bad. I'm going to have this food and then I will feel better. And you temporarily feel better, but it's right. short lived. And then as soon as you get to the other side, you're like, that was the wrong thing to do. Now I feel worse than if I'd had it. And so it like perpetuates that cycle and then it sends you to more food to feel better. Because right? I get it. I remember, you know, being in that cycle too. It's hard yeah. to break it. I it's think very you can. hard to break it. And I was just talking to my husband about this yesterday because he's an intermittent faster now too. Yay. And of course he just drops weight like that. Of like, course. Of you course know, he, he like he like looked at your book and lost 30 pounds. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah, <laughs> but um, I was talking to him about it because we were discussing the whole diet brain problem, and I was saying I still have this thing where if I have a down day, which is usually like an in, or I mean an up day, sorry, which is like an intentional up day where I'm like I'm going to open my window early today for whatever reason, I still have to separate myself from that guilt at the end of the day 
Like I ate food and I enjoyed it and I had a brownie and, you know, and then I want to like go into that shame cycle and I'm like, why am I doing this? It's okay for me to like to eat and it's okay to eat. And tomorrow I am going to be fasting and I always do. I always go right back to it, but it's such a, it gets so like ingrained in your brain that it's really hard to let go of. You're exactly right. And it really is just kind of, you know, pervasive in society that if you enjoy it, you're you're wrong. If if you're getting pleasure from a brownie, then it's because you're bad or wrong. Right. And and you know, someone someone had a post in the community. It's a great, great community member, someone that I think is an awesome community member. But you know, I I tune into words. Words really, for whatever reason, the power of words and the way we say things and the way we don't even realize what we say and how we say it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a post about food and it was really celebrating food. And it was like, what is your guilty pleasure? And mm-hmm. and I really had to think about that word because the, the whole idea of guilty pleasure is that we should feel guilty for having pleasure. So I really sat with with those words and thought about them for a while. And you know, I'm not not criticizing the member for posting it, or but it made me think. And I was like, you know, we we should probably try to get away from that idea if we can. Yeah. Like they're like, what's your guilty pleasure? I'm like, you know what? I literally no longer have a guilty pleasure. Right. I I can honestly say that it's taken years of work. Lord, right. I like had the biggest diet brain in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> and when you take away that those words and what yeah. they mean, you take away the hold that food has on you. Yeah. You take away the guilty part of it. If it's mm-hmm. not a guilty pleasure, then you take away that feeling of I've like failed somehow because I had a piece of cake. And it's really, uh, it's it's a process. And I think you're at a certain point in the process. You've realized the food freedom you want to have and you want to get rid of that, that guilty feeling, but it's been there for so long. Mm-hmm. You're, you're working through it. So that's part of the process. First acknowledging, huh, I still have guilty feelings, even though I know it's not bad. And then that, that takes you down the path of truly being able to lose the guilt. You know, I'm part of a health and wellness community of, of health and wellness professionals and hearing some of them talk about food is so interesting because mm. some of them use a whole lot of judgment the way they talk sure. about it. Like, you know, if you're not eating the way I'm eating, you're bad. I'm, and it, so it's still being perpetuated. They're not, not everybody is like that in the community and I love the community. So I'm not, you know, talking against them either, but I'm very in tune to those words now. Yeah. And I'll have conversations with friends who are doing traditional, you know, dieting, counting calories or restricting carbs or whatever. In fact, I was at work the other day and one of my coworkers was eating, I don't know, I think it was like a muffin or something. And she she goes, don't even tell me how many calories are in this. I don't want to hear it. And I was like, when have I ever? <laughs> I, I Like, don't put that on me. That's not... That's you and your issue with eating a muffin. That has nothing to do with me. Like I don't count calories anymore and I'm, I don't want to talk about counting calories. But she, she saw that you saw she was eating a muffin and immediately she felt guilty because you saw her eating and enjoying a muffin. And so then I bet she really wasn't enjoying it anymore because she was feeling guilty for having the muffin. And, and that's the whole cycle that we have perpetuated. Muffins yeah. are bad. Carbs are bad. If you like it, it's bad. You're bad. Yeah. 
and she's a really good friend of mine. So, you know, we have pretty open conversations and I kind of said, like, I'm curious when you get down to the weight you want to be at, are you never going to eat another muffin again? And she was like, no, I will. And I was like, and are you going to feel guilty about how many calories are in it? And she was like, yeah, probably. Uh, and she knows we, she's actually done some fasting. And so she knows kind of the general ins and outs of it. And so I took that as a moment to kind of like share with her just my thoughts about, cause we have a very similar body type. And I was like, you know, just kind of chatted with her about the difference between that, how I view food as I'm fasting and how she views food on a diet. And we just kind of had a conversation around that because I just want people to experience the freedom of fasting as opposed to the prison of a diet. Yeah, that's um, a really good way of putting it and learning to work with your body and trust your body and reconnect with your body versus relying on external cues. And that this is also not easy. And I get it. I, you know, people who listen, read my, read my books and people are in the community. Not everybody has an easy time reconnecting with their satiety cues. Right. You know, the longer we've been restricting and counting and dieting, the less we trust ourselves. We've lost that trust and we don't have connection with those signals anymore, depending on what we're eating. We can, you know, not have connection with those signals. Muffins would not tell me to stop eating ever. Just as an example, but it's not an easy process for everybody to just, you know, fine tune it. And again, rec- recognizing that we have decades to undo. Yeah. And it hasn't been an easy process for me. You know, it's been almost four years of, I don't want to say stopping and starting because I... <laughs> I, you know, you're always fasting. I heard you say that in a podcast. I don't know. It was probably a month ago, but you said, I want people to stop saying I'm starting over because right. you're always fasting, which I love. And I told that to my husband yesterday, like you're always fasting. Even if you stop eating at 10 o'clock and start eating at 7am, you still fasted. Yeah. But I've been through such, through four years of being on this kind of roller coaster of being committed to it and not committed to it. Right. And I feel like every time I recommit to it, I have to relearn or wait for my body to relearn those satiety signals. And it takes time. You just, you can't just, most people can't just jump in and expect on day one to be like, Oh, I ate a good square meal and now I'm full and I'm done for the night. You know, I don't think that's most people's experience right out of the gate. Definitely not. And also, you know, we talk a lot on this podcast about how people's taste in food changes over time. And that also is something that a lot of people maybe misinterpret or misunderstand. Or like, for example, my taste in food has changed dramatically. Like I was talking about loving that beet salad. But that doesn't mean that I still don't like Doritos. Right. You know, it's not going to, like people will say, when am I going to stop craving, you know, they'll name a food that they love, that they feel like they shouldn't be eating. I'm like, maybe you never will. Like I never will stop liking, I mean, I say that, I guess you should never say never. One day, maybe I'll (laughs) taste a Dorito and I won't like it, but that's never happened yet. So 
a lot of it is just really what you like and what you don't like. You may always want to eat a Twinkie. I don't know. I mean, I never yeah. have wanted to eat a Twinkie. I don't like Twinkies. <laughs> I was, I'm a salt, salty, crunchy girl. I don't like those snacky, sweetie things. <laughs> never did though. But I will never stop craving the crunchy, salty things. Mm-hmm. And, and intermittent fasting didn't make me stop liking them. But it did make me realize if I if I open my window with pirate booty, which is a healthier, cheesy, crunchy thing, I can eat the whole bag and then I feel like crap and I'm not satisfied. Yeah. Now I need to eat a whole meal. And I don't, that doesn't feel good. But right. I still ate that crap, right? Right. Yeah. It's, it's something that I definitely, I don't want to say struggle with, but it's been my experience pretty much every day of having to make a conscious choice between a maybe less healthy food and a more healthy food. And for me, I know we're not supposed to eat for the future, but I know that if I eat crappy food today, I'm going to be more hungry tomorrow. Well, that is good future eating. I don't want you to, I don't want you to, actually, I do want you to eat for the future, but I don't want you to do is eat for future hunger. Like if you're at the end of your eating window and you're not hungry, close it. Don't eat anymore. But eating foods that nourish your body because you know you'll feel better tomorrow is actually excellent and highly recommended. So yes, do that. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, I, I've seen myself do like, I'll be wandering around. Maybe I didn't plan well, maybe it's later. And I know we're going to have dinner in an hour and I haven't opened my window because I was busy. So I'm wandering around the kitchen and I just, I'm like, well, I'll just eat some of these things that are sitting around and aren't nourishing me. Yeah. And, and I'll make that choice. I'm like, why am I doing this? Stop, stop, stop. Right. I just, then I'm like shoving things in my mouth and it's not a, not a good thing. <laughs> exactly. And I'll have days where I'll eat for longer than a normal window and I'll just eat a bunch of junk. And then the next day I'm like, it's like 9am and I'm starving. Right. And I'm like, why am I so hungry? I ate like 4,000 calories yesterday, but it was all empty calories. And you know, and so then I'm paying for it the next day. So I try as much as I can to think like, what can I eat in my window that's going to help me tomorrow to not feel starving? And, you know, being at work is hard because for anyone who's ever worked in an elementary school or any school, probably there is food around all the time. Literally. I mean, literally all the time. There's parents bringing in baked goods and the kids always have snacks out and we have like last week was parent teacher conferences so the PTO brought in like a full spread that was in there all day for two days in a row and so it's hard because people are always walking around with food and you really have to get to a place where you feel satisfied enough to and confident enough in your ability to wait. Yeah. The <laughs> delay. No, thank you. Delay. Yeah. <laughs> delay. Delay. Because usually I come in and there's some kind of bread or donuts, which donuts are my kryptonite. Are I, they? Oh, boy. Yeah. I can always eat a donut. <laughs> I have. So, I do not like donuts. You probably heard me say that before. I've never liked them. Lucky. Yeah. I, well, but, put out a bowl of Doritos and see, you know, like, we all have something, but we all have something. It yeah. really, I've never like, I like a, like a fancy donut that has, you know, the, the newest trendy kind where they're like extra special, but you know, Krispy Kreme, I'm like, no, I've never been excited about. 
I'm right. unlucky with that. But but they are always around at a school. I, I think early in my life, I realized, even as a kid, if I ate a donut, then I am starving. Mm-hmm. Like it made me like so hungry that I did. I, at that point connected, I felt terrible if I ate that. Sure. Yeah. And I, at my age, I'm 45. I just turned 45 in January. And I've learned that if I eat sugar like that first thing in the morning, I'm going to crash hard. Mm -hmm. Like I will have no energy. I will feel miserable for the rest of the day. And so even though I, it always sounds yummy, I actually more often than not would choose not to eat it. Even if I wasn't fasting, just because it will make me feel so terrible. Yeah. And that's when you know you're adulting. (laughs) Yeah. Because you're like, I don't want to have that crash. It will not be worth it. You can wait, save it for later, maybe have it after you've had your good meal. Yeah, exactly. And then you can go to bed. Exactly. Crash and sleep. (laughs) A hundred percent. And you know, what we're, what we're learning now that we have tools like continuous glucose monitors and things like that. And you know, the excellent book, the glucose revolution. Have you seen that book or heard me talk about that? I've read it. Yeah. Um, I've read part of it. And I I follow her on Instagram, but understanding the order that we eat things, the difference Mm -hmm. that that makes, that really is, I mean, like there is a reason why dessert is last after your meal. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Your body handles it differently. And just wearing the CGM and seeing the difference with how my body responded when I would open with something versus having it later, fascinating. You really, you really can't, you can find a place for, for things. And just maybe as an opening with a donut, but having a little donut later. Right. And I did do Zoe. And so I got those results that showed me that I do not clear sugar well. Yeah. And so I remember I had right before I did Zoe, I had bought these vegan muffins that were like, I don't know. 10 servings of vegetables in one muffin, but they're like cinnamon sugar muffins, Uh right? And so I was like, oh my gosh, look at me eating my vegetables. That that is cracking me up. (laughs) They're like this big and you like pop them in the microwave and they're literally like bite size. You just like cram one in your mouth. And so I would like open my window with one of those. So I'm like, I mean, my vegetables. And um, (laughs) greenwashing at its finest, right? Yeah. You felt so good about those muffins. So then I got my Zoe results and, you know, it has the like, eat this often, eat this sometimes, eat this never. And it was like, it was like just above eat this never. It was like, eat very, very occasionally, but almost never. And I was like, oh, well, then how am I going to get my vegetables? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's such a great question. Uh, I mean, you're old enough to remember V8. Oh, and yeah. all those commercials. For, I mean, and this is before they had the fruity V8. I, I've never had any of that. But that was the whole V8. You're getting your vegetables, eight servings or something right. in that one V8. <laughs> right. And like 10 cups of salt, I think, along with <laughs> it. Just eat a vegetable. <laughs> right. Yes. Like the easiest way to get your vegetables, it turns out, is to eat a vegetable. Amazing. Who Amazing. knew? Because when you puree it and break it down and take you're not really getting the benefits of the vegetable right. the fiber all the, <laughs> all the stuff that was really important <laughs> yeah yeah so i, I do try to like open my window with like my favorite thing to open it with is um veggies and hummus because i uh-huh. love hummus but i have to be careful there too because i could actually eat hummus like with a spoon without the vegetable 
So, I have a hard time. Like one container of hummus is like a serving of hummus. Yes, absolutely. That is what I'll do. So I try to, <laughs> they actually have like a honey jalapeno one. And I do like that one because I can't eat a ton of it because it's really spicy. Yeah. And so it'll like slow me down a little bit. But then I get, you know, some celery and some carrots and some whatever we have in the in the fridge. I'll try to open my window with that. And that at least slows me down yeah. from eating a bunch of junk that I don't. Have you ever made really? hummus at home yourself? I have not. It is so easy. Like, is And then it? someone like recently was like, what's your hummus recipe? And I'm like, I can't give it to you because I don't have one. So please do not everybody email me to ask about my hummus <laughs> recipe because I don't have one. But what you can do is you can um, just Google hummus recipes yeah. and see how easy they are. And you just literally throw in, like you drain the chickpeas, you throw mm-hmm. them in the blender. And I put in, I just put in some lemon juice. Don't ask me how much. I don't know. I just go, <laughs> bloop. <laughs> If you want to mounts, Google that. Uh, and they'll t- give you some ideas. And I put in um, tahini. How much? I don't know. I just throw in some tahini. And then whatever I want to flavor it with. I don't put in olive oil. And so I don't know. People might not like the texture of my hummus. But I actually like it a little chunkier than than kind of oily, I've learned. Because now that I've, if I buy it again, it feels too oily in my mouth now. Because I don't make it with oil. And I'll put in like... I might have roasted red peppers in the fridge, like in a jar, and I'll throw those in. Or olives, Kalamata olives, I'll throw those in. Oh, garlic, throw in some garlic. And then, you know, a little salt if you need it. Literally anything, though, that you want. You can put dill pickles in there. I don't care. Whatever flavors you like, put it in there. Make your hummus. And it, like, is literally pennies compared to how expensive hummus is. And it doesn't have anything weird in it. Yeah. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'll have to try that because my daughter, my 16-year-old, for whatever reason right now, she is a very healthy eater. I don't know where she got it from. Probably my husband. But she's obsessed with chickpeas right now. They're so so good. What can I make with chickpeas? So I'll have to enlist her to make us all some hummus. And it's really so much I I think it tastes better like I said cuz now I'm at the point where you know like it's hard to find prepared hummus that doesn't have some kind of weird funky oil or some kind of additive in there and I don't like the way it is in my mouth anymore. So oh, making it yeah it it's just so easy to do. 
Okay, well, I'll add it to our... Try it. And again, people, do not ask me for my recipe. I do not have one. <laughs> it's not just that I'm being rude. I literally do not have... I couldn't tell you what I do. You know how when you cook stuff, Melissa, you don't know really how you did it? Oh, yeah. Like one time I made potato salad and Chad said, you should write this down. I'm like, I don't know what I put in it. I mean, it was some mayonnaise. It was some mustard. It was, I chopped up some pickles. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how I cook too. I just throw, which is why I'm a really, I think I'm a good cook, but I'm a terrible baker yeah. because I'm like, just throw in whatever. Don't <laughs> measure anything. How much mayonnaise? I don't know. You know what it, when it looks right. That's how much. Yeah. You just. Put it in until you don't want to put any more in. Right. And it turns out if you do that in baking, it does not work out You're well. right. That's true. <laughs> also, I'm not good at baking because they tell you to put it like – they're like, first, blend everything over here in another bowl and then over here in this bowl. And I'm like, wrong. No, I just put it all in yeah. the same bowl, blend it up. I'm like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how I am too. And it never turns out well. And because we're in Colorado – we're at high altitude, yeah. so it's even more important that you follow the exact instructions, and there's usually a high altitude directions, and half the time I don't do that, and so I end up with cookies Squished. that are like melted into yes. one. <laughs> it's never good. Yeah, you got to have a recipe for that, and you do have to follow it. That's really mm -hmm. funny. <laughs> so let's backtrack a little bit. We didn't really talk about your past diet history. You you hit it around that you had one. When did you first start dieting? So the first time was probably I was, I want to say I was 16, 17, somewhere in there. And of course, I thought I was just enormous. And looking back, I was, I mean, I would love to have that body I had when I was 16 years old. I'm five seven, five eight ish and I in high school I probably weighed between 120, 130 pounds. Wow. I was yeah. I was very healthy. Mm -hmm. I was um very active and but I remember that there was a girl that I was friends with and she had no curves. I mean she had a flat stomach, she didn't have a chest and I was very curvy and I wanted to look like her. Yeah. So I went on this diet and that was the first time, and that was really – I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I had – I don't even – not even sure, like, what kind of diet plan I was following. I think I was like, I'll put less cream cheese on my bagel and I'll <laughs> – I don't know even what it was. But that was the first time I remember, like, being conscious mm -hmm. of what I looked like and and comparing myself to someone else. And, you know, that is hard because I can remember one time, this probably early in my marriage, yo-yoing up and down all the time. But I remember saying something to Chad and I was mm -hmm. like, I just want to look like that. And I was pointed to somebody and he's like, you're never going to look like that. Your body is completely different than that. Right. That person is long and leggy or whatever. And I'm like, oh, oh, I can't look like that. Well, that, I mean, that really was like, I didn't know that you couldn't look different. I mean, <laughs> right, right, right. You, you were yeah. never going to look like that friend. Oh no, it was impossible. You got a different body. Yes, and so it took me a while to catch on to that. Maybe until like a year ago. But so then I I went from that to in college. I definitely kind of dabbled in counting calories, but I never really lost anything. My first serious diet was. The year that I got married, I went on Weight Watchers. And again, I wasn't ridiculously overweight. I was probably 160 pounds. But I went on Weight Watchers and I I was just loved it. I loved adding my points up. Yeah. And, and it was just the first time I had ever had success with anything. And I lost 
30 pounds pretty fast. And I kept it off, you know, probably through our wedding. And then as soon as we were married, I started putting it back on again. I very quickly after we got married, got pregnant with our first child. And that was really where the weight battle began. And so every time I would have a kid, I would gain more weight. And I pretty much always did Weight Watchers until after I had our fourth, which was in 2013. I discovered the abs diet for women, which was a lot of exercise. Like I worked out like crazy. And then it was just healthy eating. It wasn't like you really weren't counting calories. You were just eating healthy, but it was a ton of exercise. I think I probably spent three hours every day at the gym. Well, that's probably um, why I didn't buy that one. Yeah. Because, I mean, it was, uh, <laughs> you know, I would, I would cruise the diet category on Amazon, see what there was. And if I, I started reading the reviews and if it said things like you got to do three hours of workouts, I'm like, not buying this one. Nope. Yes. Not doing that. I liked the ones yeah. that said things like eat as much as you want. <laughs> Those were the ones I would like gravitate. Yes. I just want to eat as much as I want. What, what lets me do that? Right, right. So I probably have done, I mean, I did Weight Watchers. I did Jenny Craig, which is just disgusting. Like that food I chose. That was disgusting. I did that for one week and I lost eight pounds. Obviously, I know I didn't lose eight pounds of fat. I know that now. But when I called the person or she called me to have my weekly check-in, she's like, how'd you do? I was like, I lost eight pounds. She's like, fabulous. You're going to continue. I'm like, no, I can buy my own gross food at the grocery store for a lot cheaper. And of course I didn't. That was the end of that. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so I couldn't. Sorry, Jenny. It, so. <laughs> Sorry, Jenny. I'm sure you're great, but it wasn't, I don't like it wasn't great. It wasn't great. <laughs> <laughs> so I did that. And then I did, um, I never did keto because I'm very sensitive to dairy and eggs. And so like everything you eat on keto, I can't really eat. So I never did that, but high carb or I mean the high protein, low carb, I did try for a while I did not enjoy that. Is that um, like Ducan diet? Yeah, maybe. I don't remember. Ducan was high protein, low carb, and low fat, and I really felt bad on that. I had a friend yeah. that was doing it and lo- dropping weight like crazy. This, of course, way before intermittent fasting, um, probably 2010, right around there. Mm-hmm. But I felt so – I never felt worse on a diet than I felt on the Ducan diet. Yeah. Yeah, it was not – it did not go well for me. And I felt sluggish and tired and Weight Watchers was really the only diet that I felt decent on. And I think that's just because you're not restricting any particular type of food. I was getting most of what I wanted, but that was when I was really committed to Weight Watchers was during the days of the hundred calorie pack. I remember and, those. Yeah. Oh man. And I lived on them because I was in college at the time. And so I would just, throw a whole bunch of hundred calorie packs in my backpack and then and eat those all day. And then I would come home and make myself a lean cuisine, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I like, could probably eat like 40, 100 calorie packs and not be satisfied. Oh my gosh. They were never <laughs> satisfying. Like no. I remember I would get to the bottom of one and be like, well, there were like five in there or whatever. Five. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, it was ridiculous. And I was, I do tend to get, diet obsessed 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think I'm kind of like you or like, I'm all in. If I'm yeah. in, I'm all in. I'm going to do it and right. Yeah. I'm going to do it right. I'm going to follow all the rules. And so I would go hardcore. But then the problem with that is that once I was done with the diet, I would go hardcore back in the other direction. Yep. There's the yo-yo. Yeah. Like on a mission. So funny. In, 20, in 2014, I got down to probably close to my high school weight. I was working out like crazy and eating pretty healthy, counting every calorie. I was using the MyFitnessPal yep. app and, you know, I would I would burn 600 calories and so that I would put that in and then I would eat back like 400 of those calories and I just crazy, so obsessed. And then I remember like getting down to like a really tiny weight and everybody was like, oh my gosh, are you even healthy? And I was like, yeah, I'm great. And then I had this weird thing in my brain where I was like, now it's time to like put it back on. It was like a conscious thought in my head. It was so odd to me. And when I had that thought, I was like, what? No, that's not what I do. But I put it back on and then that's when my weight really started. That's so interesting. You yeah. know, when, when you have that pattern over and over and I can totally connect with it. Cause I did the up and down, up and down. It it was always like, I was either on a diet, off a diet, looking for a diet. Yep. Yeah. It was, it was Very exhausting. True. We didn't really talk about what pattern you use now. You, you hint, I think you do you do some alternate daily fasting. What does your schedule look like? Okay. Yeah. I have done ADF, but I really recently, I heard you talk about how you don't track your fasting, you track your window. Yep. And that really resonated with me because I was struggling for a long time. I did OMAD and that was fine. That works for me really well during the summer for whatever reason. But during the school year, I find that kind of a five hour window from like two to seven is really what works best for me because I can have a little snack late afternoon at work. And that kind of ties me over so that when I get home, I don't go crazy because I've already had some food. So I'm not just like so hungry that I walk in the door and just put whatever I can find in my mouth. So I usually have like I'll have some hummus and pretzels at school or I don't know, whatever I happen to throw in my bag or they have our PTO is so nice. They have like a snack station and there are like healthy snacks. Oh, that's nice. I'll grab something from there. And then when I get home, I make dinner. And I use, for when I first started fasting, I always had to have a dessert, always, every day. And I don't have that anymore. I just eat until I feel like I don't need anything anymore, until I feel full. And then I close my window, which is usually around 7 o'clock, sometimes earlier, sometimes a little bit later. And then I'll have random days where I'm just like, I'm going to have an update today and I'm going to eat all day long and that's fine. And then the next day I go right back to it. I'm really focused right now on listening to my body's cues and signals and trying to be more in tune with, I feel hungry at noon today. I feel like I need to eat, so I'm going to eat. Or I don't feel hungry at two or at four or at five. I'm not going to eat anything until six. Because that's when I'm hungry. I love that. So I'm really trying to work on that now, just because I think that's where my brain needs to be and where my health needs to be is to break that cycle that I have with food of of just following my body's cues. 
I love that. Well, we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? I would say start simple. And I've heard a lot of people say that, but I feel like throwing yourself all in on something sometimes can set you up for failure or for the feeling of failure. So just for like, you know, a couple days a week, try to take the cream out of your coffee and see how that goes. Or try to, you know, not eat breakfast and delay till lunch and see how that goes. Try to take little steps. And then the other thing I would say is for some people, it works for some people, it doesn't. But maybe think about not setting a weight goal at the beginning and not setting a body goal. Just do it with the focus of living a more healthy lifestyle. Because I've seen, like, my best friend, shout out to Lisa Anderson. I love you. Hello, Lisa. (laughs) But she has done it with me off and on. And I think she's, like, she gets so focused on the weight loss part of it that it makes it really hard for her to stick with it. I've seen that happen to a lot of people. And I know. I mean, I came to intermittent fasting because I wanted to lose weight. I was obese. And so I I 100% think that people who are heavier than they feel good in their body being want to lose weight. And intermittent fasting is one of those tools in your toolbox that will help you get there. But it isn't, it really isn't a magic thing that all you have to do is have an eating window and you will magically lose all the weight you want to lose. There, That's why we say tweak it till it's easy or trust the process. The process is the tweaking and the figuring out what works for your body. And it isn't going to look the same for everybody. And that's where you have to be willing to, to be curious and experiment and see what works. And it's a process. And all along the way, intermittent fasting never stops working in your body, even if your weight loss is stubborn. It's just a matter of figuring out what what your body needs. But stopping intermittent fasting is never going to help you find what your body needs. You can find it within intermittent fasting. So let's say you're like, well, I think I need to be low carb, so I'm going to stop intermittent fasting and be low carb. I'm like, well, maybe you could incorporate that that in with your fasting, fasting, right? Yes, (laughs) absolutely. And, you know, she did make the comment to me, like, maybe intermittent fasting just doesn't work for me. And I was like, nope. I was like, there's nobody on the face of the earth that intermittent fasting doesn't work for. It might not give you the weight loss that you're looking for, especially out of the gate, but it's always in every body doing something. Taking a break from eating all the time is how our bodies are designed to be. We are not designed to eat from the moment our feet hit the floor till the minute our head hits the pillow. We aren't designed to eat like that. So, you know, taking a break from eating, whether you call it intermittent fasting or not, that is really how we're meant to be. Yeah. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for being here today. We could probably have talked for another hour, but our time is up. (laughs) Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. It was so much fun. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. 
please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. Hey, listeners, it's Will Arnett. Our podcast, Smartless, has crossed a milestone that seemed unfathomable when we started nearly four years ago as we've just released our 200th episode. Join us as we welcome that dynamic duo of hilarity, Steve Martin and Martin Short. You've seen them on screen together in The Three Amigos, Father of the Bride 1 and 2, and most recently, and Only Murders in the Building. Both are comedic geniuses in their own right, but together they are always electric. And this episode of Smartless is no exception. I don't know if I've laughed more in a single episode than this one. We discuss their career arcs both separately and as a comedy team, how they met, who is more difficult to work with, and what motivates them today. Is Steve a better banjo player than Marty as a singer? Find out on this bicentennial episode of Smartless. Follow Smartless in the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Smartless ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Plus, you get to hear Sean cry. What a loser! <laughs> <laughs> 